What is up, Janksters? It's your boy, Graham, also known as HamHawks42 on the internet. And today we have a special edition of Overthinking MTG. We're gonna be looking at the Phyrexian Obliterator today. This is a card that has gotten a lot of stir since uh, Wizards of the Coast announced that they will be reprinting it in Phyrexia All Will Be One. And so today I kinda wanna take a look at this card, really break it down, get a feel for how it works, where we can use it, and answer the question, does it have what it takes in standard? Let's really just dive into it and see where this conversation takes us in proper overthinking MTG fashion. So the Phyrexian Obliterator is a Phyrexian Horror. It is a 5-5 Trampler for black, 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 black. Whenever a source deals damage to Phyrexian Obliterator, that source's controller sacrifices that many permanents. Now I know that I've talked a lot about this card on uh, other videos or on my streams, but I did want to give it its own its own dedicated episode because I think it's worth it. Um, yeah, and at the end of the day, the card is very powerful. A 5-5 five, five for 4 with Trample is good on its own. That ability, you know, that, that text box is also pretty fantastic. Um, <clears throat> but how fantastic is it going to be in our current environment? So in a mid-range battle, what ends up, which is a lot of standard these days, it's mid-range and aggro primarily that I'm seeing anyway. And uh, against aggro, this card is actually pretty fantastic because it's relatively cheap. You can stick it on the board and then your opponent has to remove it in some way because if they just attack into it, you're going to be able to block and force them to sacrifice a lot of their stuff. Um, you know, you block their biggest thing coming in. They have to sacrifice probably three or four things um, or two at the very, very least. And uh, having to sacrifice that many permanents is a big deal. Now, if the opponent is clever about how they sacrifice the permanents, maybe prioritizing lands over creatures, for example, um, that might give them an opportunity to maintain enough of a board presence to still finish out the game in their favor, but it becomes very difficult. It presents them with a puzzle and a challenge that they need to deal with. If they're swinging in with something really big, especially if it doesn't have trample, they're swinging in with like a 7-7 seven, seven or an 8-8, eight, eight, and this thing can step in front of it, yeah, the Obliterator gets wrecked, but so does their entire board. That's devastating to an opponent, so we love to see that. Um, on the flip side, if you're attacking with it, it's five damage. I mean, that's a quarter of your opponent's life total if you're in a 60-card, 20-life environment. So that's pretty great. Um, you know, you're putting your opponent on a four-turn clock just by this existing, because in all likelihood, they are not going to want to block it. And the fact that it has trample means it's unchumpable as well, which is awesome. If it didn't have trample, this card would actually be pretty rough, because it would be very easy to just put, you know, one ones in front of it, and you know, sacrifice one thing, and then not take any damage, and it wouldn't be a big deal. The fact that it has trample is massive, so it's practically unblockable on the attack practically um but then you also don't have it back to block in, in that case so the card is pretty powerful just on its face just one-to-one -one in the trenches in combat this card's probably gonna win like just straight up like no matter what happens because even if <clears throat> that's a, that's a weird thing normally if a 5-5 gets blocked by like a 10-10 you feel pretty bad your 5-5 just got completely destroyed there's nothing you can do about it which is why like big pump combat tricks kind of suck you know because your opponent can just buff something massively and you just get blown out because, you know, 
it's the situation that you just don't want to be in. Meanwhile, Flourishing Obliterator kind of flips the script because even if it dies, you, the player, are getting an insane amount of value by forcing your opponent to sack so much. So it's a cool card in the trenches and in combat. The problem is, right now, we live in a standard where point and click removal is everywhere. Every color has some way to deal with this. Blue can bounce it, completely undoing your turn four for as little as one. So, it, or even tapping it down with a number of effects, therefore it's just irrelevant. They can attack through it, they go, or they can fly over it. Like, it's not hard for the mono blue deck that's running around there right now to deal with this at all, actually. Um, you know, white decks have point-click removal, like Brutal Cathar, Lay Down Arms, Fateful Absence, you name it. They got a ton of ways to get rid of this thing. You got, um, you know, green is actually going to be the one that has the most trouble, but to be honest, green isn't a deck in standard right now because green is just bad, you know, which is unfortunate, but it's true. Like green is just not holding up. And so obliterator entering the battlefield or so to speak uh, by entering the standard format means that green is going to be really difficult to, it's going to have a really rough time. And red, interestingly enough, the mono red decks right now that currently exist are going to struggle very much against obliterator. However, there is a minor adjustment. There is a tool in the mono red toolkit that could turn Phyrexian Obliterator from a massive detriment to a phenomenal asset, and that is threaten effects. And by threaten effects, I mean effects that where you, as the red mage, gain control of a creature until end of turn, untap it, and it gains haste. There, there are a number of those out there. It is a very common effect for, like, red, you know, three and four drops to have. It's very common. It's all over the place. And the mono red decks... If they're going up against a deck that has Phyrexian Obliterator in it, with simply sideboard in threaten effects, call it a day, they're going to be fine. So, because then all of a sudden your Obliterator is now, so your opponent has this unblockable 5-5 that you can't attack into, you steal it, you're now attacking with your whole squad, which might have been lethal anyway, and now there's this 5-5 that they can't reasonably block in the mix as well. Pretty brutal stuff, actually. So I think the red decks, believe it or not, is going to be fine. Even though it is the one current deck that is going to struggle the most once this card hits the field. I think a slight pivot, and that's going to be fine as well. Uh, and then black. Black has all the removal right now. Black has so much phenomenal removal that a card like Hero's Downfall, which should be amazing removal, is unplayable because it's too slow. Like, black has no problem dealing with an opponent's Phyrexian Obliterator. It's just not, it's not even an issue. They are going to have a dozen ways to, to get rid of it. Now, I mentioned green being possibly the color that gets hurt the, hurt the worst by Obliterator being in the format. However... Obliterator being in the format does provide a little bump to green in a weird, interesting way, and that is in Golgari. So this is something that you've, you've heard some people mention this, possibly, if you've been listening to like podcasts and other YouTubers talking about magic. Phyrexian Obliterator combines really powerfully with fight spells, so spells that ha allow you to fight an opponent's thing. So cards like Bushwhack or Prize Fight from Shizunuka Pena, which doesn't currently seem a lot of play, maybe it will moving forward. Uh, with fight spells, what you do is you select a creature you control and a creature an opponent controls, and they fight each other, meaning that they deal damage equal to their power to one another. It doesn't care about double strike, you're not leverage or first strike for that matter, because it's not in combat. It's just power to power, slap, and whoever dies from that dies from that. With Phyrexian Obliterator down, what that's doing is you are forcing your opponent 
into a combat situation where their creature is going to be dealing damage to Phyrexian Obliterator and therefore triggering that ability. So if you can target an opponent's 6-6 six, six, or, I mean, actually perfect situation, your opponent might have like a Flesh Gorger, which is a 7-5. So you fight the Phyrexian Flesh Gorger if it's full price, they will gain seven life and you have to take seven life by targeting it. However, if you do, the Phyrexian Obliterator will kill the flesh, or the flesh Gorger in combat and then this trigger hits the stack and they have to sacrifice seven permanents. That's incredible. So that's one example of a situation where you could really hurt your opponent. There's a big life swing in, you know, to do that because of the ward ability, but in any event, it lines up nicely in that situation. So fight spells with Obliterator is an interesting line. Uh, what I fully expect to see in the first weeks following uh, all will be one dropping on arena i have no doubt that there will be a golgari obliterator fight deck that is running around on the ladder you will see it at, le at least in best of one i don't know if it's going to have what it takes in best of three but you will see people forcing it in best of one um and i'm 100 confident that you will see at least one person forcing it in best of one because i'm going to uh i'll be honest i'll own it but at the end of the day i don't think that deck is going to be good enough it is a one-trick pony is the thing. And if you fill your deck full of fight spells, you need to have other creatures that can be fighting if you don't find your obliterators. And that's going to be difficult. Um, and we also have tutor effects in standard with like Cruelty of Gix and um, Dig Up that can help you find your obliterators, but they're very slow. And it, would, it will take you a long time to get to this combo if that's what you're relying on. And... If you're relying on a four-mana tutor to go grab the obliterator and then get it into play the next turn and then fight with it, it's too slow. You're already dead. Like, Grixis has already run over you. Uh, or Mono Red. The Mono Red deck will just destroy you in that time. So you need to have some backup plan that can leverage those fight spells, maybe get some ramp action going. Maybe that's where you run some prototypes. Maybe that's where some Death Touch creatures come in handy because Death Touch and Fight is a pretty cool combo. So... There might be an there might be an angle there might be something that is decent and fun but I do not believe it is going to be a tier one deck. I think it's too cute. It's a gimmick. Uh, and don't get me wrong, I love cute gimmicks. I'm all for it. But I don't think that's going to be where it is. Now, in Explorer, which is another format that Obliterator is going to be entering on Arena uh, and Pioneer in Paper and on MTGO, uh, I think this is going to be different. I think we're going to see this card get some love in those environments because it's carrying four devotion that is a big deal your nykthos is all of a sudden are supercharged once this thing's on the field and your gray merchant of asphodel can now really pack a punch that rules on top of this card just being awesome like it would be very easy actually to run a mono black devotion deck that is splashing <clears throat> some like green black dual lands and fight spells to make the Phyrexian Obliterator work. Additionally, there is a little card from War of the Spark that I want to put on your radar. If you are looking to take advantage of the Phyrexian Obliterator, one card that you really ought to, to, ought, ought to consider is Gideon's Sacrifice. Uh, I have leveraged this a little bit in Historic, and when it works, oh my goodness, it is the best. Gideon's Sacrifice is a common for one white at instant speed. Choose a creature or planeswalker you control. All damage that would be dealt this turn to you and permanence you control is dealt to the chosen permanent instead. So 
flavorfully what this card is is basically a really crappy fog like the idea is okay i have a little creature online you're attacking me for lethal with like five or six things i can't block them all i'm just going to pay this one i'm going to spend this card all the damage is going to go to my little one one that i don't care about it's going to go squish and but i'm going to live cool like that's a bad fog and as a result this is a really cheap card if you want it in paper because it's also a common um however if the creature you're targeting is a Phyrexian Obliterator, especially if you've tapped out except for one white, if your mana is tapped down in a way that you are making it clear to your opponent you do not have a Wandering Emperor or Settle the Wreckage, and they attack in, they will probably be swinging with everything. And that could be upwards of 20, 30 damage if it's late in the game and they've established a powerful board state. You don't block any of it. That's the key. Don't if you, even if you have some blockers up, let it all through. The other trick, if you're going to do this, attack with the with the um, attack with the obliterator the turn prior. Make it look like you screwed up, because that that's going to make it easier for people to bite on this. You target the tap for exiting obliterator with Gideon sacrifice. All the damage, all thirty of that damage comes through to your face. Except it doesn't come through to your face. It gets redirected to the obliterator. They then have to sacrifice 30 permanents. Their entire board goes poof. Your obliterator's dead, but who cares? And you have something else going on. All their lands are gone in addition to all their creatures that they work so hard to set up. And a lot of the time they'll just scoop on the spot because coming back from that is almost impossible. Like almost impossible. And so Gideon Sacrifice is a phenomenal card. Now, that said, there is some other tech out there against the Phyrexian Obliterator that you absolutely need to be ready for. Uh, one of which is a little card called Justice Strike. If Phyrexian Obliterator is popular in Explorer, then Justice Strike will absolutely be showing up in at least sideboards, if not main decks. Justice Strike is an instant for red-white Target creature deals damage to itself, equal to its power. Now, this is actually pretty good against, like, Death Touch creatures or just big creatures that are, have a symmetrical stat line or higher power than their toughness. This is just, a lot of times, it's just point-and-click removal in Boros, which, neat. Like, that, that's not bad. Um, but against Obliterator, it is especially devastating because the Obliterator will deal five damage to itself, it's going to die as a result of the Justice Strike resolving, and then the trigger hits the stack, and you, the Obliterator's owner, will have to sacrifice five permanents because of the way that Obliterator's worded, whenever a source deals damage to Obliterator, that source's controller sacrifices that many permanents. So if the Obliterator is dealing damage to itself, the controller of the source of the damage is you. So that hurts. That could hurt a lot. So be aware of that. Those kinds of effects are out there. And if Obliterator is popular, then they're probably going to show up. But if not, get nasty and have some fun. My bottom line, is Phyrexian Obliterator good enough to see good, solid main deck play in a format like Standard? It is bonkers for me to say this, but to be honest, I don't think so. I don't think this card is going to see significant main deck play in standard. This is a powerful card. It demands removal. And I think it will see some play, but I don't think this is a slam dunk. The other part of it is, the other factor in that conclusion is that it's competing for a spot with Shaildred. 
And on top of that, it's competing for that spot in a lot of three colored decks. So we have Jund, we have Grix. Grixis is really the, the number one as of this recording. Um, now that said, mono black decks will probably be running four Shaldreds and they'll probably have some number of obliterators in there too. Whether that's two or four or three, I'm not sure. Probably not just one, but that could be. I could see that. I could see mono black uh, running at least two obliterators just to kind of round out that four drop slot and provide more pressure to the opponent. Okay. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that holds up, but like the Grixis mid-range list that is very popular right now, and one of the things it's capable of doing is casting Invoke Despair pretty consistently on five, uh, which is insane in a three-color deck, but it can, and it, it does a lot, uh, as you know, if you're playing standard in, on Arena right now. I don't know that Obliterator is providing the same amount of value as Shale Dread or as Invoke Despair. Invoke Despair is a free three for one, no matter what happens. And Shaeldred, it pulls removal at a very awkward time in your opponent's sequencing. If they have to cast it, if they have to cast instant speed removal on their upkeep, then it puts them in a weird spot where like a chunk of their mana is tapped down before they even draw their card for turn. So it really throws them off their game if they have a good answer for her. Uh, otherwise, Shaeldred just ends the game in your favor. It puts the opponent on an immediate clock and it gains you a ton of life, making it almost impossible to race you. So Shieldred is significantly better than Phyrexian Obliterator. It's not even close. And the fact that they're competing for the same slot leads me to believe that Obliterator is probably not going to see much play except for people like me who want to make the cool new thing happen and already have four Phyrexian Obliterators in their arena account because of the Historic Anthology. You know, those people are definitely going to get some play out of those cards. I know I will, but in any event, I think the card is very interesting. I think it's going to be fun. I don't think it's going to be good. So that's kind of the bottom line. Thank you so much for checking out the checking out this video if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, if you're listening anywhere, podcasts are available. Thank you. I appreciate you. Please uh, you know, follow the show, sub, whatever it's called on your podcast app of choice. I appreciate it very, very much. And uh, if you're on the YouTube, don't forget to like and subscribe. It makes a huge difference. Thank you so much, and I'll catch you on the next one.